previously on The Sean Ryan Show. How do you reconcile the duality of being a Christian warrior, the balance of loving God and yet prepare for war and the removal of threats to human life? For this, I mean, Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to kill, time to heal. And so there's a time to kill. Um, The Bible says do not murder. And this is a bad translation where we take the Ten Commandments and we take one of those commandments, thou shalt not kill. It's actually thou shalt not murder. Let's go back to Iraq. You were there for the invasion. We had big army doing a big push through and we're grabbing high value targets up as they kind of squirt. So it's a it's a coordination. And I wasn't first boots on the ground, but I'm still early enough into Iraq where I could be like, yeah, I was I was there. Is it heavy right off the bat? It was all up close. It was moving in urban terrain and kicking in palace doors. How do you how do you deal with loss? How did you overcome that? Uh, I don't think I've overcome loss any more than I've overcome fear. Some guys were, that were like my platoon, uh, you know, and and some of my buddies who got shot up. It's not this huge tragedy on their part. It is on ours who are left behind and missing them. When was the Warrior Poet Society? And I came to call it the Warrior Poet Way, you know, Warrior Poet Society. That was my own personal journey. I wanted to touch on feminism. Sure. And how it's affected society today. I I have opinions and things to say on this. Me and my wife actually discussed this quite a bit, but I would love to hear your take on how it's affected today's society. Um, I think it's destroyed families, made men and women miserable. I think that the feminist movement has created a lot of confusion in society as well. I mean, you go, it's, you don't really know where anybody fits in anymore. Mm, You know, there's, chivalry is dead. Yeah completely dead you know and I I wish I know would have known we were going to dive into this I would have uh, thought about this a little bit more but you know you see it, it, it's in it's in everything you know I, you don't know anymore whether you're supposed to open the door for a woman one minute you might get yelled at for opening the door the next minute you might get yelled at for not opening the door you know, I just do, I always yeah, open the door, yeah, you know, but I, I mean, I see this stuff too and I hear about it, you know, I mean, my wife right now, we're what, seven months pregnant, you That's know, awesome. seven months pregnant. Half the time she goes to the store, nobody helps her with the groceries, nobody opens the door for her, nobody help, you know, helps her load up the cart if she's at Home Depot and I'm at work, whatever it is, chivalry is dead Hmm. and then she comes home we have a discussion about it and this is what i'm like nobody knows what to do anymore yeah you know you get yelled at for doing one thing and you get yelled at if you don't do that one thing yeah like opening the door and you know and I, i can't tell if this is a 
I can't tell if this is just the bubble that I live in or if it's like this everywhere, but from my observation, there seems to be a new movement of kind of coming back to gender roles. Yeah. I see a lot of women, at least around here in the area that I live in, wanting to leave the corporate world and get back to being the head of the family, you know, yeah. or, or, or raising the kids, yeah. homeschooling the kids, just being there for the kids. And, um, and uh, are you seeing that or is that just, is that just A me? huge resurgence. Homeschooling has just gone crazy. You know, millions and millions of folks were able to see what was happening in the government schools through the corona scare. And in that, they checked out and they're like, this is terrible. And they had to homeschool during the um, pandemic. And what they found is, is, oh, homeschool actually can be really enjoyable if you do it well and you're you're smart and you do some homework and you figure out, like, oh, this is how you do homeschool. I'm like, that's actually easier than I thought. It was really enjoyable. It turns out that people love their kids. It's kind of like, oh, this is great. And now I'm not spending massive amounts of money on childcare and you get to actually raise your kids and you know what's going in their brains. And it, people found out that it was better. And now there's all these resources of like homeschool co-ops, homeschool movement has exploded. You know, I'll be speaking at Homesteaders. Oh, I'm sorry. Homesteaders of America. I'm doing that. But um, great homeschool, homeschool conventions, that's it, GHC, great homeschool conventions. Uh, they've got like five conferences next year from California to Ohio. And um, anyway, a few other places, I think Missouri is one, South Carolina, that's four out of five, not bad. But I'll be keynote speaking at all five of those great homeschool conventions uh, in the next year. Uh, and I just say that to say, this is how invested I am in this. If you if you want to rescue uh, the next generation, uh, we've got to take them out of government schools. Whatever it costs, go into debt if you have to. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and I, I do not like that. So I, I when I say that, that actually is a big sticky point for of like, bro, this is how important it is. Take your kids back from the government now, mm -hmm. whatever the cost. I know it's hard, figure it out. Maybe you can't turn that key today, Make a plan over the next year to get them out of the government schools. I agree with you. I think it was it may have been Nick Friedis that was that was saying it. Um, you know, you you could take a poll and ask just about everybody. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Hmm. Do you trust the government? Yeah. How many people trust the government that you know? I had I interviewed some people want uh, like recently, and somebody said that they did trust the government. I don't believe them, but that <laughs> I, I just like. But I have it on video on my channel where somebody said that, so I have to say, well, there was this one wingnut of a person who mm -hmm. said they trust them. But your point remains: no one, so no one trusts the government. Point being, why would you trust your kids to be educated by the government? Right. Vody Bachman said. Uh, don't be surprised when you send your kids off to Caesar and they come back as Romans. Like, that's it. That's it, man. You're wondering why everyone's gone woke 
and is, uh, has no idea uh, what bathroom to use anymore. Just if like, what happened to our kids? I'm like, well, you gave them to the government for, for their entire childhood. You saw them at dinner and you attended their sporting events, but the government raised your kids and social media helped and video games or whatever, but you saw them every day, but you didn't raise them. You didn't log enough hours each day to counteract all the poison and time-wasting and ideological propagandistic crap that they were getting fed year after year after year. And so millennial generation and now Gen Z has gone woke. And we feel like, oh, what happened to my my daughter? We raised him better than that. No. I mean this in love, but you didn't raise him at all. That hurts to say because I know it hurts people to hear, but the government raised him, and that's Uh what happened. Government and social media um, hijacked a generation, and we trusted that they were being taught good information that wasn't undermining our values. But there's been a psyop in play for decades, which is undermining our values and uh, waging war against the family unit. What do you think the goal is behind that? Control. Control of everything? Yeah. I, I think the people in power want one thing. It's what all people in power have always wanted for all human history. The people in power want more power for longer. Who do you think the people in power are? Um, How deep do you think this goes? I think a lot. One is the ones you see are the puppets. There are politicians there who's dangling those puppet strings higher off. Uh, You know, if they think there's powerful um, companies that you've had enumerated on this channel and uh, billionaire, trillionaire types around that want to control in the shadows. Uh, So there's certainly players like that. And you see their fingerprints everywhere. Um with all the woke stuff that actually has a very formal funding mechanism behind it. It's not just a ground swell of what people want. It's actually being pushed from the top down on culture, forced on culture, quite literally in our school systems and in our corporations, it's being crammed in. And so you can't see that and not deny that there are, uh, Folks who have really figured out over the last uh, 50, 60, 70 years how to perfect tyranny in a model that doesn't lead uh, to some of the upsetting overthrows that their forebears of Mussolini and Pol Pot, uh, Mao, uh, uh, Hitler, of like, they had the control that these globalists want, but they were also targets. And they had uprisings against them. How do you control people without ever being a target and while giving them the feeling of collectivism so that they feel free, but they aren't free? Uh, Or will thought maybe it'll be by uh, force you'll do it. Uh, Aldous Huxley thought, no, you rule them through their desires, through dumbing them down by allowing them to entertain themselves to death. You can control them indefinitely. And so what they did is like, oh, we'll take some Orwell and we'll take some Huxley. We'll blend it together in a massive psyop so we can have uh, massive amounts of power and control forever. The thing that would stand in the uh, way of it, uh, a few things of like one, uh, religion. Religion is the thing that, you know, won't bend a knee 
it will unreasonably not compromise. And so if you eliminate religion, people will worship politics. Uh, if, if, if you don't, if, if they ha- hold out religion, then there's something higher than politics that holds uh, that uh, politicians have to be or world uh, controllers have to uh, bend the knee to and, uh, and is in competition. That's why uh, Marxism or any tyrannical communistic system immediately moves to eradicate re- religion because totalitarian control cannot exist while there is a vibrant and widespread religious faith going on. I think that's very hard for Western culture, Americans in particular, to wrap their head around. Yeah. You know, and, but, I mean, look at what's going on in North Korea. Yeah. You know, those people actually believe. Yeah. King Jong Un or whatever his yeah. name, whatever is, whatever the new one's name is, yeah. it's Kim Jong Un, right? Yeah. They think he's God. They yeah. think King Jong Il was God. They think yeah. that 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 is, it, the state is the religion. Yeah, that is the end all be all. Incredible, you know. So I, I think religion is something that the, they want to quell and destroy, and they. They've done a, a good job oh. of that. Uh, also, I think um, the family unit, the family unit is a bulwark against this progressive ideology. And so they've destroyed the family unit uh, and they want to take over America's youth. If you if if you can take over the next generation and educate them up, uh, you can, you know, uh, you can force you can get them to believe whatever you want to believe. You know, and so that's how you get the next generation is you train them for compliance. You demoralize them utterly, and that's happened to Gen Z. They are com- utterly demoralized. Uh, and the, uh, another thing is you want to do, uh, you want to um, declaw the strong men. And so there needs to be a war on the family. There needs to be a war on masculinity. There needs to be a war on religion. And what do you see? You see all these very late in the game, where all, all these uh, institutions, for lack of a better word, are just barely limping much less alive in the sociological structure that we see. This is very late in the game for America. Uh, The jury is out on whether we survive this because all of our institutions of power have been hijacked. The American people are now uh, wide awake, hate all this, but without any of our institutions of power, it's kind of like, look, more corruption. Anybody going to do anything about it? Anybody? No? No one's doing anything about it? We just let it slide? Okay, we're letting it slide. But you should do something about it. They're guilty, they're corrupt, and we're just shouting into the wind. Nothing changes because it's all super corrupt um, and our institutions of power have been hijacked. So it's very interesting time. I do not know how this is going to play play out. Uh, the optimistic part of me is dying. Know, yeah, it, it still dares to hope a little bit. I'm glad my hope is in a different world um, than this fallen rock. I'm glad that's where my ultimate faith and joy and hope is because there's just not a lot to be found here. Um, But still, while this place is my home here and now, uh, I'll I'll go down fighting for it. Um, Yeah.
what does I think we're very similar in this. Mm. I'm I'm a little pessimistic. Yeah. You know, I don't see I don't really see a, a realistic way out of this. Um but there are some things, you know, that that it being honest, I think about this all the time. Yeah, man. It just consumes me. Yeah. Uh because you know, I got to be honest, I don't really care for what I have to endure anymore because I don't think this is going away, but it does really bother me that my kid's going to have to live in this shit. Yeah. You know, and um, so I am always looking for some type of hope. What what is there anything particular, maybe anything that you've ginned up in your head? I brought some stuff up about advertising. That's my latest. Maybe that's going to get the hope, and I'll go into that in a minute, maybe. But advertise. What do you mean? Well, you know, we were talking last night at dinner. Yeah. You know, we were talking about. We were talking about. I believe the woke agenda. Right. And how, you know, I don't think we need to go through it all again. Um, yeah. But on here, but you know, the the gender, everything, everything you see, you know, is is backwards. Yeah. What's down is up, what's up is down, what's black is white, you know the deal. And we got to talking about companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, you know, in 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 numbers. We did have this conversation yes, last night, yeah. correct? You know, and what I think maybe, maybe a glimmer of hope is you are we are all watching in real time the demise of of mainstream media. Yeah. It is coming apart. Uh, I'm, fast. Yeah, man. Ever I'm, since 2020, mainstream media is falling apart at a record pace. Very fun. Their to numbers watch. their numbers are down, but they still have big advertisers. Yeah. Golden Globe Awards, Grammy Awards, all these big celebrity events. That I never watched them, but a lot of people, you know, are enamored with this these type of award ceremonies and in in the lives of celebrities and nobody watches it anymore. No, I know. So it is so bad that a lot of the celebrities, a lot of the actors, a lot of the 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 musicians, they don't even go to the award ceremonies anymore because they don't want to spend the money on the fashion, the makeup, the hair, the the time that it takes to go to receive the award, the award because they know nobody's even watching them. Yeah. Not to mention, they know that it's not about the best actor anymore. Mm-hmm. It's about whatever the current agenda is. Yeah. Those numbers are dropping. Sports numbers have fallen off a cliff. Yeah. NBA down, NFL down, MLB yeah. down. You know, and late night TV. Everything is so politicized. That nobody and nobody trusts anything anymore. You know, right. the the all the late night shows numbers are down. You know, I just had a a a meeting with with um a I don't know what you call an, an agency like a, a kind of like a agent or a management agency, and um, we were kind of going over some some of my numbers, and they were saying, you know, look. If you look at some of these late night shows, 
they're only getting two or three hundred thousand viewers wow. a day. Wow. You know, some of these shows have four or five million views. Yeah. You know, and so where I'm getting at is you see mainstream media, numbers falling off the cliff, sports, numbers falling off the cliff, movies. When's the last time you went to a movie? Yeah. You all know that preparing for the future is something I'm a big believer in. Looking out for my family's physical security has always been important to me, but ensuring their financial security is also a top priority and that's why I chose Fabric. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Look, life is full of unexpected changes. My kids are growing up, my business is expanding, and it's been easy with Fabric. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. With over 1,800 five-star reviews, Fabric is rated as excellent on Trustpilot. So don't wait. Make this your top priority too and join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash Sean. That's meetfabric.com slash Sean. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash Sean. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. I, I can't even remember. Top Gun 2. Yeah. You, and actually, it was worth same, it. same thing. That's about it. And there was no agenda. Yeah. You know, I did go see Sound of Freedom. But oh, I saw that too. And everyone should go. Everyone should go see that movie. But, like, I've already seen it. Go see it again. Yeah. Um, but point being, all these numbers are falling yeah. everywhere. All the stuff that we used to watch, it is the numbers have been cut in half, maybe even more. Advertisers want, they need to be seen. Yeah. You know, Ford trucks, they can only pay, you know, they can only pay that those those major dollars for so much longer before they realize Nobody's seeing the advertisement because you ruined the network yeah. with your agenda. Yeah. Where are the numbers going? They're going to YouTube channels like yours, YouTube channels like mine, <laughs> podcasts. YouTube robs me blind, bro. So uh, no doubt they, YouTube is making money off me. They're just not giving it to me. But I'm, I, I, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah, but what, I'm, you're what, right. what, what, what I am saying is now there's this... Now there is this demand and this need for that type of content, yeah, right. you know, because it's not scripted, it's not filtered, you know, it's real, it's vulnerable. That's what's drawn in the numbers. It's truth, yeah, you know, and eventually I think that there, I hope that there may be some type of a possibility where these advertisers come to this realization and they're going, wait, well, hold on. We're paying all this money for no numbers, and this stuff over here, the, the, the fringe content, is what has all the numbers. Eventually, if they want anybody to buy the shit that they're peddling, they're going to have to go to where the people are. I hope so. I hope so. This all is so far above my pay grade, uh, but I would really like that to be true. The more pessimistic uh, part of me might may say of like, yeah, but what if those globalists, what if State Street and Vanguard and Blackguard, they're so they're so wildly rich uh, doing market manipulation stuff. They don't actually need Bud Light or Target or Disney to do well. They don't mm -hmm. actually care. They don't need it. They can generate all the money they want in uh, 
a myriad of different ways that they don't care. And so money isn't real. They've gotten so much control and power and into everything, just monopoly over kind of everything that they've got it all. And so they can afford to lose what to us would look like billions. And to them, it's kind of like, no, just shuffle in the deck. Who knows what their balance sheet actually looks like? Mm -hmm. Uh, But maybe it's just reshuffling the deck for them. And they're like, nope, we're... uh, we're here to get more power and control. We're paying billions of dollars in losses over this to push this kind of agenda, which demoralizes and ultimately gives us the whole kit, kit and caboodle in 10 years mm-hmm. of like, they're fine to lose billions when they're going to get trillions and trillions of like, no, no, no we're buying your country. Mm-hmm. You know, we're fine to let these brands tank because the ideology we're pushing through allows us to literally take over countries. And so, mm, I hope that's not true. Again, this is all just speculation based off data points and things uh, that uh, people I've heard that I feel like these guys have decoded the matrix. If what they're saying is true, then this. And so it's my own working out of that a priori. So well, is there anything that does bring you hope? That's that's just my latest. Hmm, maybe, maybe. I mean, this is what I think about. Yes, you know, absolutely. all of these these things. Absolutely. What brings you? Because when I'm done watching everything through social media and the television screen, just going completely the wrong way, I go home to my little farm and I greet my smiling wife and I play with my children and we go down and maybe we ride some horses. And then we read a book before uh, going to bed, and uh, we have a good dinner, and none of that stuff falling apart touches my sweet family time and my friend circles and the church I go to uh, back home. And um, there is still opportunity right now to have a really full, vibrant peaceable, sane life in your home and in your community. Mm-hmm. You can make your own your own community with friends and family that isn't buying into all this stuff. And so whereas I visit the world, I check in and I engage in the fight to make it better because this is this I'm a part of this world. But when I am done with that, I go to my own little homestead, and I hang out with my family, and then I see my friends, and we go on, me and my wife go on dates, and we go through uh, walks in the woods. Right now, the economy is in shambles, and we're, you know, everyone's feeling the squeeze, so we're spending less, and so, hey, we'll go on some walks. (laughs) That's not expensive. You can't tax that yet. And so, uh, (laughs) yet, (laughs) yet. But yeah, there's some hope there. Uh, And a lot of folks are struggling with real bad anxiety and mental health. Mm -hmm. And it's because they're not unplugging from all the bad news. And they're carrying that home with you. And it's just too heavy, too much, too ubiquitous. You've got to be able to leave it at the door uh, and have a life outside that still let's enjoy freedom while we have it. And then let's fight for it too. But you got to make some boundaries for yourself, man, or you're just not going to make it. Yeah. I'm with you. Let's talk about your YouTube career. Sure. What? So you started the Warrior Poet Society. 
It was a, it originally was training, correct? It was YouTube videos. Really, it, was, it started as a YouTube started channel. as YouTube videos. What, what were your this? What was your first video? Uh, it was just me shooting some targets real quick on a range. Ta 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 ta. You know, that's it. Uh, that was for mine. But I went on someone else's even before that. You know James Yeager? I do. Yeah. Um, I never met him personally. Okay. Well, it's, it's a shame. He had an online persona, and then there was the the man James Yeager, who is a personal friend, and I, I loved uh, deeply. All the virtues and vices of any military grunt or SWAT team dude, you'd have loved him. Um, but uh, anyway... He he got me on his YouTube channel, and he thought I did a really good job. And he says, "Hey man, you should do this." And I'm like, "What? Just record myself doing what?" He's like, "Whatever you want." <laughs> I'm like, "Whatever I want." He's like, "Yeah, man, but you should do this." I'm like, "All right, maybe I'll do this." And you know, I, I'm a I'm a man with a message of like I want to communicate for life change. That's what I want. I want to communicate for life change. I'm on a journey. Love to be able to document that and bring people along. So I just kind of did that. You know, I just, here's my reflections. Here's my thoughts. Here's a war story. Here's me shooting. And I just kind of threw all kinds of stuff against the wall. And, uh, you know, not easy to, yeah, see what sticks, but I was documenting my own warrior poet journey. Right. And so it struck a chord and people started following and then it kind of blew up. It turns out people wanted to grow uh, simultaneously in these areas because what I saw is this big gap in the internet. And that's where everyone's kind of like a lover or a fighter. And the fighters don't really talk about husbandry or kids or, you know, being an actual, you know, sane, normal, real person. You're the thousand yard stare, steely eyed killer, SWAT operator, blah, 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 blah. I'm so dangerous. We're all special operation, blah, blah. So, but it was this chest beating bravado Mm -hmm. or it's this, you know, sweetie pie thing. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want to do both. I want to be a lover and a fighter. I'm on that journey. Where who embodies that? Who is out there that I can follow that's on that journey? And I'm like, you know, there is not a lot. Well, I'll just start walking down this road and maybe some people want to join in. And they did. And it grew. You know, I, I gotta compliment you. You there's so many I hundred percent agree with you too on the on the on the fighter stuff. Yeah. And um and uh, I, you know, when I started this, I noticed that so many people become a character. Yeah. You know, it's not authentic mm. at all. And then you start seeing them get tired of being that character <laughs> because it becomes exhausting. Yeah. Because you become that character everywhere you go. People expect you to be that character. Right. And one thing that I got at dinner last night with you is... You are the exact same person that I see online talking. You're a very authentic, genuine, humble human being. 
and um, with a massive online presence. Thanks, man. In a huge business. And, um, you know, you just don't, you don't run into that very often. Thank, I could say the same thing about you, which pisses me off a bit because we really should have got together years ago. We talked about, we agreed, hey, let, we should hang out. And at the time, you had alpacas and a Brussels Griffon. There's this ridiculous <laughs> little dogs, little gremlins. And we did too. And I'm like, bro, former door kicker, you got the funny little dog, you got the alpaca. Surely this means we should hang out and be buddies. But I think you just got busy and so did I. But yeah. what I'm embarrassed at is you're not far away from me either. I didn't so. realize you were that close. Me neither. Better late than never. Never. Better late than never. But uh, I feel like I lost time with you, you know. We could have been homies. It's all good. We are now. We are now. But I, I will say, now. you know, I, I don't know if you feel this, but a lot of times, and it's funny, nobody thinks this because this channel started as kind of a gun tuber channel, and and then when I started the the podcast, it was all it was all military guys, and then yeah. in in. But I'll be honest, you know, a lot of t it's almost to the point where if you are a from the special operations community, that's a almost a strike against you. It's like I don't know if I want to. Yeah, I probably am not going to get along with this person. It's going to be extremely really? competitive. And Isn't that tedious? It competitive. is. Like, what, bro? Why do we got to compete? <laughs> I know. Hey, how about this? You win. Yeah. You're the dangerous, super yep. secret squirrel sniper ninja. And uh, I'm not. So way to go. Yeah. Now we can just move on. Can we be friends now? <laughs> but, you mean, uh, is that, do you mean that it's hard to just be friends because there's always that kind of rivalry or is it hard to interview them? Or what do you mean? I'm not talking about the guys that I interview. Okay. I'm talking about, I mean... I mean, you have to get this too because you have such a big platform. You know, you get it. It should be them. It should be them that trained whoever. It should be them that has that platform. It should be them oh, that's filling the courses. And, yeah. and and then there's like it, like I had mentioned earlier, special operations. What is it? I mean, everything from day one. You said it as well. Is a competition. Yeah. You in Ranger Battalion. It's earning your keep. And in every single day, right. wondering if you're good enough to be there, yeah. and um, and that carries over. I think we all have a common enemy. Obviously, we have a common enemy when we're in, you yeah. know, in an in in an environment or a profession like that. But then when you take that common enemy out, yeah. we turn on ourselves. Yeah, that that's perfectly said. Um, I don't pay attention to a lot of it. It'd be hard for me. I'm not cruising, checking in on what gripe anybody had. Typically, I'm mm -hmm. not. I'm not just searching for that stuff, and so I'm not consuming a lot of that content. So maybe some of those guys really like me. Some of them really hate me. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't care. I don't really know their attitude and disposition. Yeah. Um, on purpose. I'm not interested. I know what I'm doing. I know I'm providing a good service. For a certain part, uh, you know, certain part. I'm after soccer dads, you know, for lack of a better part. I'm after average Joes who are, I want to be a good dad. I want to work well. And I'd like to make a few small steps to be a little bit better protector. I'm like, I like you. You're my bro. Let's hang out. Let's do gun stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and so that's who I'm after. And I'll let all the operating guys operate operationally to, you know, make ninjas out of everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I'll just be over here doing my thing. And if you hate me for it, I get it. Yeah. Sometimes I don't like me very much either. So I'm sympathetic. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, let's get back to your channel. So what did the channel develop into? I know you've taken some turns throughout mm-hmm. your 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 career. Yeah. So I really pressed into more teaching tactics and this is how you shoot and this is how you, you know, can clear rooms and here's some flashlight reviews and here's some kit reviews and I was doing that at a time where there was a gear boom going on and a training boom. Uh, this was before politics had swallowed up all other avenues of life. Now, since that time, politics ate everything. Mm-hmm. So even if you talk about something as benign as the weather, well, oh, climate change, can't do that, of like, there's the science, which science was science. No, science TM. You know, Anthony Foucher, he is the science. You know, like uh, all the science stuff of, man, there's not a single area of life that hasn't been gobbled up by politics. And so when I saw that move uh, and I saw uh, big moves being made against First and Second Amendment, I'm like, all right, my days on this platform are numbered. Mm -hmm. I saw algorithm switches over, namely September 2017 algorithm switch over by YouTube. Uh, You know, that's the move hugely against the gun world. So all of a sudden, our analytics just fell off a cliff. And if you were small, gun channel, good luck getting big because that door kind of shut. And I was already like 100,000 followers. So I kind of made the cutoff. So I was able to grow and keep growing. But I was growing leaps and bounds. And then the adpocalypse happened, the algorithm rewrite. And then my analytics just crushed. I can literally look back in my lifetime analytics and see every time they made an algorithm change. Um, And so right now, uh, though I'm many times bigger, making far more views, my money from YouTube is 2018 level. Wow. Really? So they hate me that bad. Yeah. I Um, think I'm heading down that road as well. Yeah. And it's because... Um, when, when everything went political, like I'm, I hate, I hate politics. I hate it. And I don't like politicians either. You know, of like people have like, John run for office. How about no? How about never? No way. The Lord would have to call me to it. You've um, never considered it. I have considered it. And I, after considering them be like, Hey, no way. I do not want that. I get it that it's, it, it is a way to make millions of dollars, broker a lot of power, and get a lot of, you know, uh, recognition and limelight. The problem is, is I don't care enough about those things. Those are not good carrots for me. Uh, I would rather live far more simply, and I like the sphere of influence I'm already operating in. Mm -hmm. I like that I have no constituents or handlers. I'm beholden to no one. I can say whatever I want. And yeah, the algorithm's going to punish me and eventually put me out of business. Um, but I have to stay the warrior poet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be true to who I am, how I built, and what our message is. Good for you. And I hope uh, that our big tech overlords will allow us to continue to have 
uh, free speech and that they wouldn't rig the deck to our ultimate destruction. But right now I'm in the problem of they just don't notify my subscribers when I post videos. Yeah. That's the big, that, that's it. I'm like, great, rob me blind, take my money, do whatever you want. But if people ask you to notify them when I post a video, please notify them. And they won't do that. My wife is subscribed, notifications bell on. She never gets notifications when I post videos. You know, and this happens many times. I'm just saying my own wife can't get a notification for my channel. Yeah. And she is supportive. She she didn't really care about some of the content that I make, but she loves me. And maybe I'll say a silly joke and maybe I'll give her a little cutesy, flirty shout out sometimes because I do that all the time. I, I'm I'm getting kind of... I'm kind of sweet on her, you know? Yeah. And so anyway, she's supportive, but she doesn't get those notifications. And so, and uh, YouTube isn't nearly as bad as like Instagram. Instagram is the worst for shadow banning. I want to tell you about this business venture I've been on for about the past seven, eight months. And it's finally come to fruition. I've been hell bent on finding the cleanest, functional mushroom supplement on the planet. And that all kind of stemmed from the psychedelic treatment I did, came out of it, got a ton of benefits, haven't had a drop of alcohol in almost two years. I'm more in the moment with my family. And that led me down researching the benefits of just everyday functional mushrooms. And I started taking some supplements. I found some coffee replacements. I even repped a brand. And, you know, it got to the point where I just wanted the finest ingredients available no matter where they come from and it, it it got to this point where i was just going to start my own brand and so we started going to trade shows and and looking for the finest ingredients and in doing that i ran into this guy maybe you've heard of him his name's laird hamilton and his wife gabby reese and they have an entire line of supplements with all the finest ingredients and we got to talking Turns out they have the perfect functional mushroom supplement. It's actually called Performance Mushrooms. And this has everything. It's USDA organic. It's got chaga, cordyceps, lion's mane, miyataki. This stuff is amazing for energy balance, for cognition. Look, just being honest, See a lot of people taking care of their bodies. I do not see a lot of people taking care of their brain. This is the product, guys. And so we got to talking and our values seemed very aligned. We're both into the functional mushrooms. And after a lot of back and forth, I am now a shareholder in the company. I have a small amount of ownership and I'm just Look, I'm just really proud to be repping and be a part of the company that's making the best functional mushroom supplement on the planet. You can get this stuff at LairdSuperfoods.com. You can use the promo code SRS. That'll get you 20% off these performance mushrooms or anything in the store. They got a ton of good stuff. Once again, that's LairdSuperfoods.com. Use the promo code SRS. That gets you 20% off. You guys are going to love this stuff. I guarantee it. How many of you have logged into your Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever your streaming platform is, only to find the same 
mind-numbing content over and over and over again. And then you wind up settling and you just watch that mind-numbing content. Maybe it's time to spend your time learning something that's inspiring and that could possibly improve your life. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subjects. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or history of the ancient Christian church. With Hillsdale College's online courses, they are all available for free. That's right, it's free. I personally recommend you sign up for American Citizenship in its decline with Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, Dr. Hanson explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever you want. Start your free course, American Citizenship and Its Decline, with Victor Davis Hanson today. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash srs to start. It's free and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash srs to start. hillsdale.edu slash srs. Thank you for listening to The Sean Ryan Show. If you haven't already, please take a minute Head over to iTunes and leave The Sean Ryan Show a review. We read every review that comes through, and we really appreciate the support. Thank you. Let's get back to the show. Um, and uh, Twitter's kind of touch and go, but Twitter's the freest place I know of. That is public square large. Yeah. There's all kinds of these other platforms. I'm like, yeah. You're like, John, you should get on Rumble. I've been on Rumble for years. You're like, get on Rumble. No, I'm there. You just don't see me, watch me, or find me. I'm there. I, I, I get that, too. And so I'm like, yep, I'm there. And the fact that everyone keeps telling me to get on Rumble proves to me that Rumble is not the place to be. Mm-hmm. It's still the largest search engine in the world without anything even remotely close to the uh, in second place. YouTube and Google. Yep. It is the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted to give you props as well because we we and we had spoken about this last night as well. But you know, you are one of the few people from our community that made a pivot around twenty 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 one timeframe. Yeah. And that. Pivot, what I'm talking about is you standing up for what you believe in, standing up for your core values. Yeah. You appeared to have maybe not put your business on hold, but you 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 made a major pivot knowing that it was a that there could be some serious consequences at, to yeah. your business. And um and I made that pivot. Yeah, I saw you make that pivot. Um, maybe before me, maybe it was right about the same time. Yeah, but um, there's not very many people that I saw made the pivot, and you know, I had, I had 
around that time period, I had made a pivot as well. You know, I'd gotten, I'd gotten out of uh, guns and tactics, got mm. into podcasting, started taking the podcast uh, very seriously. And then I, and for a multitude of reasons, uh, one being censorship of the Second Amendment genre. <clears throat> I'm no longer willing to compromise. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I, I just, I see these, there's just so many people that all they care about is the money. Yeah. And in their business, in their growth. And it's, it's, it's like, man, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. You know, if you don't start sticking up for what you believe in, because that inspires others to do the same. You're not going to have a business. Yeah. You're not going to have an income stream. And and now fast forward, and I want to talk to you about this. I mean, I I think I think this entire thing is done. Mm. I think I think YouTube will be obsolete within the next five years. Wow. I think. I mean, and and one, I think people like me and you will just be deleted, never to be heard from again. Um, but on top, but it doesn't end there. I mean, on top of, on top of these companies' agendas, there's artificial intelligence that is just taking over everything. Yeah. And and we talk about deep fakes and 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 yeah, the that's... stuff that's happening. I mean, there's already technology that could have a fake you and a fake me having this exact conversation, and it's becoming more and more realistic every day, yeah. you know, and I, I, I do, I believe in the next, I mean, that's part of what the Hollywood strike is about, you know, they don't need writers anymore. They don't need actors. They yeah. can do animes and, and it's all, I mean, it was a good run. How crazy would it be to, let's say in a few years down into our dystopian future, we're careening toward, uh, they delete you and I, and they have an AI avatar that looks like us, and they script us and tilt us more left. So oh, yeah. So basically, if like you think you think that Sean Ryan, who just uh, walked away from his faith and endorsed, you know Hunter Biden, who's running for president and kicking tail. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Some people are like, "Stop!" No, I hope I'm, nobody I'm bailing. That I hate segment. this. <laughs> I hate this. This is gone. I hate this. I hate this future. Delete back. Next video. Uh, but of like to literally supplant us with an AI digital whatever to borrow on past credibility and people don't know. Uh, you know, of like, and meanwhile, we're rotting away in solitary confinement forever with January 6th, folks. No, <laughs> man, I hope not. But, you know, I mean, that's just where I see this going. Yeah. You know, every, I mean, we saw a revolution. We were talking, that was me and my wife discussing this this morning, but you know, it was, it was eight tracks, cassette tapes, yeah. DVDs or CDs, DVDs, MP3s. Now I don't even know what we call them, you know, streaming services. And, and I mean, YouTube's been around for a while. It's going to become obsolete eventually. Mm. And I think IA's, uh, AI is going to be the, what takes it out, you know? AI is this big wild card where I can make I can make general guesses on what's going to happen, and I don't have that prophetical kind of gift, not in the capital P biblical spiritual prophet kind of sense, but to to figure out what's coming. Like Orwell, George Orwell, amazing ability to 
to kind of predict out what's going to happen. I'm like, I, I don't have that impulse. Uh, but I can imagine some of it. With AI, it's uncharted. I have no idea where that's going. Uh, but it does look like the most powerful tool for control ever conceived and created by man. That, to me, looks more dangerous than a nuclear bomb by far. Um, and so I don't know how that's shaken up, but if you already don't trust the would-be uh, powers that be, you give them that, a perfect mechanism to uh, manipulate, propagandize, and control the world and all the flow of information, that's bad. But you could imagine a world where you people just finally, I'm off the internet, here's my community, and we're homesteading. They're just done. And I'm moving that direction, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been one little decision at a time without this big referendum of it's all going to die and you need to you know, rewind the clock 100 years and live as a homesteader. Of like, no, but we've just been you know, a little bit over time doing that homestead life and investing in local community. And we like that. It's a healthier life and it makes us feel freer. And it's healthy for our sons to grow up, you know, taking care of chickens and and uh, herding cattle and driving our side-by-side through the woods and, you know, playing with some guns. And we have our own little spot carved out. It's nothing huge, nothing fancy, a simple little farmhouse, but that's ours. That This is ours. And so at some point, you're just kind of like, what I'm gaining from plugging into the matrix every day is not worth what it's costing me. And you just unplug and you're done. And then you got to figure out still, well, how do I make a living? And that's going to be different with AI and this brave new world. Um, But I wonder if the whole idea of homesteading is this self-sufficiency. What if I got myself to a place where my skills and my resources around me were at such a place that I no longer required wealth. What do you use wealth for? Well, you buy food and you buy, you know, things, you pay bills and you're caught. What what if, what if you're kind of more self-contained right there? You know, you grow some food, you slaughter a cow every once in a while, you shoot a deer, uh, you kind of hold up there, you barter and trade a bit. You got a little money for X, Y, Z. I don't know. If, uh, I'm trying to live more and more simply. I'd like to no longer require wealth. As if to get some huge nest egg, kick my feet up and, you know, make trips back and forth to Tahiti every once in a while while I live in a mansion. That's so far gone from my purview. That's n- that was the goal, you know, a decade ago for me. That's retirement. I never plan to retire now. I'm always going to be adding value somewhere, somehow. And I want to live humbly and simply. And uh, I just want to be left alone. Do you feel better now than you did when that was your, when when you had the mansion Tahiti goal? Yeah, much, much better. We have a simple little farmhouse on our own little homestead, and we're very content and happy there. Was that your wife's goal as well? My My wife was raised extremely poor. She had no idea how poor she was in a very small town in a very poor area. Uh, she was on free lunch, <laughs> you know, she, she's mm-hmm. just dirt poor. 
tiny little house she lived in. I love that about my wife. I think it built character for her in a real cool way. And uh, she is just easier to please, and she's been broke with me before. We have been absolutely broke and then deeply in debt. Uh, and we had to climb out of that, and that was awful. And me and her, we, we've been through the ringer together. And um, now one thing that is a requirement is we're still generous. You know, we may be, you know, and we're not living like paupers by any means of like, we got some creature comforts. We we, we spend some money, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, like uh, the goal is to live. And I think we've been good stewards of this. We live below our means by a good shot. Uh, and I'd like to do even more. Um, and I think that's the way to travel. It's uh, stop buying the big houses and the big cars and leveraging yourselves to death. You're, that's not the way the world is going. We need to be leaning up. Uh, we or we need to lean. We need to run far leaner than we are. Mm-hmm. We need to be content with less. Stop chasing that carrot. It's going to kill you. Uh, and the when the music stops, you're not going to have a place to sit. It's a good way to put it. Mm. I guess kind of what I was getting at was when when your when your goal changed, when you went from let's let's amass this huge amount of money, this big nest egg, to be able to do whatever we want to. I mean, how did that how did that happen? Did you just come home one day and you're like, "This is a new plan. No. We're gonna lean up, work less," you know? more family time, we don't need all this money. So I don't know that I ever dreamed of having this huge amount of money or something. It was just kind of the default setting for all Americans. Mm -hmm. That's what we expect. You make a huge amount of money so that at a certain age you can retire and you live pretty well, very well, or extremely well based off that for the rest of your life. You do some vacations, you get a Winnebago, and you do your thing. You know, and so... Margaritas on the beach and whatnot. And that's just kind of, I think, the neurological rut. That's the default setting for a lot of Americans. Um, It was uh, pandemic kind of stuff that was the scare. And I realized how dependent we were on our grocery stores for our food. And we're all all on top of each other. And I didn't have actually any skills. I don't know how to grow food or, you know, deal with chickens or anything like that of like uh all of our money is in the bank account for what we you know what we have and of like we're we're locked in these neighborhoods and big cities and covid was a little bit of experiment on how self-sufficient are you people found out of like i'm hopelessly dependent of all of a sudden there's this nationwide run on toilet paper and then it's gone toilet paper what Really? That's the thing, and then I, and then the gas stations empty out. Yeah, uh, that's happened a couple times, you know, over the last decade or so. All of a sudden, huge gas lines, and then the, these gas stations are out. You're like what? Uh, and then grocery stores just empty of food. You know, like so much stuff gone and not replenished. And whether it's our power grid or whether it's our food distribution network, which all these systems are extremely fragile. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe nothing ever really happens bad. 
But I just realized I would like to be able to be in a little bit more control over it. Uh, and I think, and really the solution was, is homesteading. And homesteading is a natural shift in priorities. And it's a natural um, reorientation in uh, moving from lavish uh, lifestyle and that carrot to something that is forcibly more pragmatic, something practical. We will grow this amount of food and see how that goes. By the way, we suck at growing food. We've killed everything. <laughs> we're terrible at it. We're getting better, but we're still bad. But like you get some chickens, well, a third of your meals are covered for the rest of the year. You just get some freaking chickens, man. Mm-hmm. A third of your meals. You got it for the rest of the, for ad infinitum, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, hey, that seems like a good idea. I'll get some cows now. And we just literally right before I came here uh, yesterday or the day before, we loaded a quarter cow into our deep freezer. You know, so we have cows and we breed them and then we eat them. And then we eat them. <laughs> so, Congratulations. How's that feel? Uh, so, is that the first one? No. Uh-uh. Oh, so okay. we've been doing this for a couple of years. But what I'll do is I'll sell, you know, uh, X number of cows. Uh, this year I've sold five cows. And I'll do that at the stockyard. And then I'll buy someone else's cow so that we as a family don't sit down and eat Mrs. Moo, who we mm-hmm. used to pet. <laughs> so <laughs> some folks would be like, bro, that is... That is spineless of you. You should be eating your own. And I'll be like, maybe so. But I took the coward's route out. Yeah. So my nine-year-old doesn't cry while he bites into that delicious <laughs> hamburger. So uh, we sold some cows and then I'd buy one. So that's our system. Let's get back to the AI deep fake stuff. So I th- this is something I think about all the time too, and uh, I had, I had mentioned here we have a we do a uh, we just started this we started a a Bible study at my house, mm. and uh, there's just a couple of us, a couple uh, three families that do it, but um, one of we have a pastor or a minister, I don't whatever. Is there a difference? Um, so there's, uh, in, in the Bible, there's a few different offices in the Greek, it's poimen, episkopos and presbyteros, and that's oh, okay. like elder, then there's shepherd, and then there is, um, overseer or bishop and all these kind of offices are used very interchangeably. And usually they're focusing on the different aspects of what that person does. Now, culturally it comes about as, uh, one denomination likes the word minister. Another wants to say the word priest. Another one likes to say the word pastor. And still this other one wants to do the word elder. Okay. And all of it kind of means the same-ish thing until you start having like archbishops. And then it's kind of like a pastor of many or a priest of many different priests. And so it has to do with more of a hierarchy. That happens more in Catholicism where you'll have far more of a structured hierarchy. You'll have a little bit flatter of a hierarchy and stuff like Methodism. Uh, in Baptist or something, or like a non-denominational, oftentimes it's more what's called congregationalist, and that means it's more of a self-autonomous uh, body with a far flatter hierarchy. And so you'll have 
elder or pastor or multiple. There's probably more than you wanted to know, but don't ask a Bible guy a Bible question <laughs> in a interview without a time hack, you know. So well, be careful. But pastor, uh, we usually say a pastor. Okay. Yeah. So okay. So we're kind of where I was headed was, you know, I think about a lot. My wheels are always spinning. What's going to happen? How is this all going to play out? AI, yeah. you know, I think about a lot. And, and and you know, it's all, nobody believes mainstream media. Nobody. It's getting to the point, no, nobody believes anything. Nobody believes the government. Nobody believes the media. Nobody believes uh, news articles. Yeah. Nobody believes magazines, you know. Yeah. And, and with this new AI stuff that's happening, and, and it's going to get to the, I mean, the deep fake stuff. You have people calling. They can they can mimic your voice. Yeah. Call your wife. Yeah. And say, "Hey, Becca, this is John. I'm being held for ransom. Do you see where I'm going yeah. with this? Right. Well, soon they're going to be able to do this with FaceTime. They're going to be able to. Yeah. You know, we just talked about it. They they can recreate your image and likeness and voice uh, to do whatever to and manipulate it to do whatever they want. Mm. So. I've always said it's going to get to the point where seeing is no longer believing. Well, yeah. Well, a lot of times I come up with these things and then I tell myself, you're crazy. You're, this is just, you're I coming do up with the these time. own, yeah. you're coming up with these conspiracies in your head. And then I hear somebody else articulate it. And it was at the first Bible study that we hosted at our, at our home. And my friend Todd said the exact same thing. Yeah. He said, it's going to get to the point where even seeing is not believing because everything is going to be fake. And as you know, I'm relatively new with the Bible and uh, I haven't read it all. I'm, I, I'm breaking it up into sections, but uh, from what I've heard uh, from people, you know, just talking about it, it, this has already been written. Yeah. That it will get to the point yes. where you cannot tell what is actually real or true. Yeah. Is this where you think we're at? Does it say that? I think we're nearer now to the end than when we first believed. I think this I think we are careening toward an ultimate reckoning with Creator God. Um and I think us uh, we are destined to destroy ourselves. We are we are Mary Shelley's monster, you know. Uh, we yeah, of course we destroy our lives. We're gonna destroy ourselves, um, and so yeah, I think it's heating up to a biblical, biblically prophesied climax. Now I'm really careful in how I interpret end times prophecy. Uh, because you can take it all kinds of different directions and be like, all right, so Mark of the Beast actually meant this. And, that. and I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to cling to team Jesus real tight and not do what the world is telling me to do. <laughs> I'm just going to follow Jesus. So I'm like, I don't know how all this is shaken out, but I know whose side I'm on. And, uh, so, uh, but the more I see happening in the public square, the more I want to just hole up and and focus on the physical people in front of me, the real world, 
Because just like you, you just espoused, I don't trust my own eyes and my own ears. And more and more, uh, less and less social media and the internet has something to offer me. I'm not getting enough nourishment for the poison that I'm taking in. Mm -hmm. And once AI has thrown into question the things that I, I, I do get information on there of like, well, I guess I'll just value my physical relationships person to person. You know, like how we used to live before the internet. Mm-hmm. When the internet is completely compromised, I guess I'll just get rid of the internet. I'm like, what about banking? I'm like, I will do banking in person. And I'm like, and people, you know, I'm not saying I will just not do the internet. Well, I, when I was on the mission field, I quit the internet for a year. I just quit. Um, I found of like, well, I'm really, you know, just into my books and my mission. And uh, so I got a flip phone and I just kicked off the internet for a year. So our online banking, my wife would have to do. And I'd coach her through it. And we didn't have much money anyway. We spent it all in the mission field. <laughs> so that wasn't too hard. But when we did have to do something online banking, it was through her, you know, her, her internet connection. I didn't even have it. And guess what? It was a really good year. It was a cool year. You could make it. We survived without the internet before we could do it again. Some stuff would be a real pain in the neck. Now, I don't know if me and you could because my business is on the internet. Mm-hmm. But here we're talking about a cataclysmic break, a destruction, an unraveling of all kinds of things where a lot of our jobs don't exist anymore. And I'm probably way decent to this. So we're, we're really trying to really look out in this uh, theoretical dystopia. And so I don't know, man. Are you at peace with this yet? No. Knowing that the rug's going to be ripped out from under you? Um. I mean, no, but remember, my peace doesn't come from this world. So I can still have joy and peace and hope because this this is not my home. I'm just I'm just passing through mm-hmm. in this life. Just passing through. Now, I feel deeply uh distressed by everyone else that's kind of caught up in the fray who are hoping that, no, we got to get this guy elected and this leader, he's going to get it all right. I'm like, oh, precious child. No, no, that is not true. Whatever presidential candidate you're rooting for, he is not the Messiah you think. And though it would be better that that person got elected versus this other one, they're not going to write all the ills. Yeah. That's every politician for all time. That's the platform. Put me in office and I'll fix everything. And guess what? None of them have ever pulled it off. And the next one, though they make it a little bit better or not quite as worse as the guys before them or the guys after them, they're not going to fix everything. They're not going to fix you. They'll fix some stuff. They're not going to fix the whole thing, though. And so that's where my faith is not in our political leaders. Um, and so, yeah, I can have peace and joy. Um, but man, my kids are growing up in this world, you know, and there's a lot of folks out there that are lost and that's upsetting. And I still, um, you know, I still love my country and I want to fight for her because I think the ideals that she embodies is worth fighting for. 
And so, yeah, I, I will spend myself utterly on these things. Uh, but hope and joy and peace, those don't come from the things I'm fighting for. All right, John, we're wrapping up towards the end of the interview. There is one other topic that I want to talk to you about. It has to do, well, it doesn't have to do with, it is fatherhood. Mm. You seem to be a, a very good father. You're obviously a very involved parent. So is your wife. What do you think some of the, I mean, there are a lot of fatherless kids yeah. out there right now, today. Even the ones that do have a father, a lot of those fathers are not present. You see it everywhere you go today. You see young men with zero confidence. Yeah. They sit there and they look at their shoes. They can't talk to you. They mm. can't make eye contact. You know, and, and, and you know, we talked about feminism earlier and the woke agenda a little bit, and that's destroying masculinity. But I think that the biggest assault on masculinity is the absence of the father in homes. Oh, hardcore. No close second to that. You know, most kids in America are not growing up with a father in the home. The majority. Holy smokes. So uh, big clap just for the dads that show up, that don't leave. That's awesome. Um, I also want to recognize some, some dads didn't leave. They were chased out. <laughs> as well. So both are true. Yeah. Uh, what I don't want to do is buy into that uh, cultural uh, dynamic where the guy is always at fault and the girl is did great and she's the victim. I'm like, no, some women are so insufferably impossible to live with and you were the reason he left. Usually the marriage falls apart because it takes two to tango. Both of you had your own junk, you know, and, and that sucks. And so I'm not judging. I'm, I'm not... I'm sympathetic to that, but just recognize usually two to tango kind of thing. So, man, I, I couldn't agree more that fatherlessness is, it's an epidemic uh, that, that's destroying the very fabric of our society. Must, must, must get fatherhood right. Now, I wouldn't immediately said, hey, you're, you're a good dad. And I'm like, I hope so. I really, I really hope so. Um, I think there's some stuff that I am doing that's very countercultural, and I think I'm doing some of these things well. I can feel it. I know these are good variables. There's other stuff of like, I, I don't know. I, I hope so. I hate how I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so tired and distracted and doing so much that I can all, I'm always thinking of like, man, I should really take my kids camping or something. I would take them camping in, in a long time. Now I'm doing these other things. I just took them to Italy and Austria and Switzerland, and we were together for two weeks doing stuff. And I'm like, oh, I did that. But I think about all the other stuff of like the day in and day out stuff. I'll do a little bit of like kids want to play airsoft and Nerf, and maybe I say no nine times for every one I say yes. I'm like, man, that sucks. I, anyway, I'm just venting my own, I could be a lot better. I'm just worn out, and, and I, I, I've got to figure out a good time where I, I can have some, you know, daddy time with them and make it count. But the jury's out on how good of a dad I am. I've got a nine-year-old and eleven-year-old, and when you meet them, you'd be like, "Oh, these are confident kids." You would marvel at their vocabulary. It's really quite striking. Their vocabularies are incredible. 
because they've read more books than most college graduates. I guarantee you, my nine-year-old even, my 11-year-old's the big reader, but even my nine-year-old has read more books than most college graduates. I guarantee it. If you stacked up the books we've read just as a family, because uh, I've been reading to my kids since two years old, uh, uh, we've read this many books, you know, me to them. And and so that, that's been a, a culture of them. You, I think I get a lot of compliments on my kids. So I think, I think I'm doing some good stuff as a dad, but who knows? Maybe they're going to write a book when they're 24 on how actually dad sucked and I was doing such and such. Maybe I'm guilty of ills that I'm not even aware of, you know? Uh, and so I don't know. More than patting myself on the back of the few things that I may be doing right, I'm hyper vigilant of, I hope I'm not sucking in ways that I can't perceive. So. Anyway, you thrust the moniker on me, and I'm just telling you why that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I get it. I'm hard on myself, too, being yeah. a dad. But, you know, when I come home and I see my two-year-old son run into the garage door because he heard the, the driveway alarm go off, you Bro. know, that's, that's, a, Super that's cute. a good sign. And, uh, you know, when I go to work... He's grabbing my pant leg, trying to get me to yeah. to play with his new train or his yeah. cars or whatever. I mean, something's right. Yeah. Doing something right. Good job, you know, bro. I'm That's sure I'm awesome. doing all kinds of bad things and, and, and things that I can improve on, but something I'm doing is right. Yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't be getting excited. And I'm sure you're doing quite a few things right, too, John. Thanks. But yeah. what are... I mean, I hate to like throw such a general question at you, but what are some of the most important things to you that you would like to pass on to your kids? Some attributes. Oh, wow. All right. You went a different route than I thought. Um, great question. So I want them to be uh, courageous and bold. I want them to be uh, well-educated um, I want them to uh, know how to treat a woman. They practice on their mom, you know, and so um, taking care. Uh, I want them to know how to resolve conflict. I want them to be leaders. Um, I want them to be honest. I don't really care what they do for a living. I don't, I don't care uh, as much. Um but I want them to live worthy. It's the manner in which they live. That's the stuff that I actually care about. Um, and I realize the only possible way I can build that in them is to be it myself. Um, you can teach what you know, but you can only replicate who you are. That's it. And so uh, there's knowing that there's no... Um, there's no, what is it, supplement? There's no replacement for spending time with your children. You have to spend time with them. And if you spend time with them and we embody these values, they're going to see it and it might just replicate and spread. <clears throat> so you'll re replicate who you are, assuming you spend sufficient time with them. If you are that way 
and you spend time with them, it'll almost be impossible not to replicate those certain virtues in them. And so that's my plan. Be better personally and spend time. And I look for teachable moments as we laugh our way through the years and we cry through pains and we grit our teeth together as we set ourselves against different struggles. But we do it all shoulder to shoulder and they do it as they see dad do it too. Um, But I'm not living a separate life that they'll one day learn about in my memoirs. They're watching me go through it now. So when I go through a struggle or something something happens, I very well may bring the boys over. I'm like, all right, boys, I'm dealing with this right here. Now, this person said this to me, and I felt like saying or doing this. What do you think about that? What should I do? Okay. If I do that, and, and we'll war game out a little bit of that. We'll figure out that together. But I'm inviting them into our show. So we're very open with our kids about, here's the problems we're solving. Here's what I just did, and it was wrong. I raised my voice at your mother. Let me tell you why I shouldn't have done that and how I should have done that different. And so, I mean, they see me apologize when I do something stupid or when my wife does. And so I'm trying to, hey, here's, here's, here's some good stuff. Here's some bad stuff. Your dad is fatally flawed and I'm on a journey and I'm trying to get better. So we'll have grace together for each other. Here's my wins. Here's my losses. Uh, And so I'm inviting them on this journey. You are setting the ultimate example. That's the goal. Uh, And so my hope is, is they'll learn from my wins and my losses. So I I screwed up teaching opportunity. Hey, I did well teaching opportunity. (laughs) Um, So either way, maybe they can get stronger here. Um. That's the goal. And I don't always do that awesome, you know. You know, sometimes you feel like you're killing it at work and you're sucking at home. Mm-hmm. And other times you feel like you're killing it at home and sucking at work. It's just real hard to balance those two things really well. I could definitely relate to that. Yeah. If you could give one piece of advice to a new father... What would it be? Uh, so brand new father. Um, man. So if you're brand new father, brand new, uh, babies often t- times come out purple with cone heads. <laughs> Don't freak out. That's just a baby thing. Uh, I noticed uh, our first son and mom had this amazing connection. I mean, I, I love my son. I'm kind of like, yeah, awesome. Uh, awesome. You know, cool. Well, see you when you're older. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, but uh, as the kids get older and start to communicate, especially sons, they kind of shift over more toward dad when mama rules the first few nurturing years more. And I found myself, I got really jealous for my wife's time. Because my kids got the first fruits. And so I had to, my wife is holding up these kids, but I'm holding up my wife. And it felt a little thankless. And that I'm after my wife, but she just seems to be after the kids. She's not after me. 
Uh, but the first year, it's really about keeping those kids alive, <laughs> you know. Uh, but you still need to pull her out so that you can invest in the marriage again. A lot of folks will, in our society today, we idolatrize our children. And a lot of times, the arrival of our kids marks the beginning of the end for our marriage because it always becomes about the kids. So like an example, you're talking with your spouse at the dinner table. A kid runs up with a problem. Mommy, mommy, mommy. Do you stop, allow the interruption, turn, and answer the kid and off on the way? Is that the answer? Or is it, no, I'm speaking to your father. Wait. And then you speak maybe a little bit longer now to make them wait. One is a clue that you're idolatrizing your kids at the expense of your marital relationship. Setting a bad precedent is teaching this kid that they're the center of the world and you're going to ruin them for it. And the second one is saying, no, your father is speaking and you don't get to interrupt your father. You should be listening to your father. You know, and so here, this is a, this is one that teaches a kid uh, humility and um, uh, good manners and patience and restraint. And so that's just one tiny, you know, uh, show of that. But um, you should uh, not idolatrize your kids or you'll ruin them. Love your spouse more than your kids and your family has a really good shot. Um, some people won't like that, but it's just good advice. The kids will actually flourish in that dynamic. Uh, and it's going to teach them how to do marriage really well. And you make them into these little uh, bratty kings, these little tiny Napoleons, uh, when you uh, let them be the most important. So make your spouse, make Jesus be the most important thing. Make your spouse uh, be the the thing, um, you know, of like, it's the adult-centered household. And the kids are invited into it in these parameters, not the other way around. That'll destroy it. Uh, for brand new dads, uh, invest in baby-wise. Otherwise, your kids, even at a, 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 as a babies, they're just going to run your wife ragged into the ground. They should eat on a schedule, but look up the book Baby-wise. Holy cow, that'll save your sanity. Um, first couple of years, you just survive through the terrible twos and threes. And for me as a dad, it started getting really fun. It was fun before. You have lots of joy, but you're worn out, exhausted a lot of times. And you're getting them through at four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 years old. Those have been party. Those have been so fun. Years four to 11. That's as far as we've gotten so far. Have loved it. Want to freeze them. Not like Walt Disney, cryogenically, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but I mean, like Peter Pan, don't grow up anymore. We really love you where you're at. That's been true of every age since the terrorist twos and threes. Anyway, somewhere in there, some good advice. That's uh, that's some great advice. <laughs> and uh, you know, throughout this, I learned a lot just right there. Uh, you're just, gracious. Just, I'm I'm not even joking around. You know, the, the the dinner table thing. That's something I've never even thought of. And we're not to that stage yet. But mm. that's something that I've oh, yeah. I've never even thought about that. Oh, here's something of the dinner table thing. This is a new revelation, and that's uh, I my. It's hard to get your kids to eat. I don't know what it is, but kids just don't seem to want to eat. They want to play and flip upside down, and here's a toy, and 
you know, you and your wife cleaned your plate like 30 minutes ago and you're just begging this kid to eat. First off, that's not a good way to do business. You should never be begging your children to do anything. So like, all right, you don't want to eat. You got uh, three minutes to finish that up. If not, you go to bed. And when you break up in the morning, there's your, this will be your breakfast. And just let them get really hungry until they appreciate food. And anyway, that that's, uh, your wife isn't going to let you do that. She's going to play the plead game until she eventually gets really exhausted. And then you'll come in of like, you want me to solve this? And then she'll say, yes, I really do. I'm like, okay, but you can't interfere once you give me the keys to this. And they say, okay, very good. And then you're just like, all right, kid, you got two minutes to finish that. Of like, as soon as you're done, you go up to bed, go straight to bed. <laughs> you know, they go to bed uh, without dinner. Uh, mind you, they won't eat the dinner. Fine. You don't have dinner. Go up to bed. Um, dads know how to solve this immediately. And that's great because dads will know a certain amount of, um, dads will know solutions to problems that moms will not in raising kids and vice versa. And it's through the wrestling tension of those two things that kids actually thrive. I solved that problem immediately. I know exactly how to solve the eating problem. Uh, and my son, after a couple hours, called down starving you know, and I'm like, would you like to eat? Yes, daddy. And I brought him up his cold dinner and I watched him eat that food he refused to eat earlier. And he had tears streaming down his cheeks <laughs> while he ate this thing, smiling ear to ear, happy as a clam. He got his dinner. <laughs> nice. His little brother was asleep beside him and he was crying because he was hungry. And he knew that if he didn't eat that dinner tonight, that would be his breakfast. And he don't he doesn't have to eat that breakfast. But you will not eat. Mm -hmm. And that will be your lunch. And you don't have to eat that lunch. But you'll skip that meal and that will be your dinner. Easy. Easy. Mom couldn't do that. Couldn't imagine it. Worked immediately. Never had the problem again. Nice. You know, and so you are built with certain masculine instincts that is incredibly important in the raising of a child. You get it. You get some solutions that your wife will not. She won't. She won't like it. It'll be counterintuitive to her. It'll seem harsh. And to you, it's clear as a bell uh, in other ways. So your job is to make them tough, to grow them up, to make them strong so that they can survive or so that they can be well-functioning members of society that are useful for something. Make them strong. Her job is to keep them alive long enough for you to make them strong. <laughs> and so... Build them, nurture them. And so you've got these two bookends, and it's through the tension. It's through that, let's discuss this man and wife to figure out what's best in any circumstance. If you win all these interchanges, you'll make them a heartless brute, uh, just a punk. Uh, and if she wins, they're going to be weak, spoiled little brats. Uh, and so... It turns out that uh, kids need a dad and a mom. So. Well, John, <laughs> a lot of wisdom today. A ton of, I, I learned a ton. I'm your gracious. And, uh, Thank you. You should think about writing a book sometime. This book? <laughs> We're supposed to talk about the book. We never talked about the book. We got carried away. Guys, I got a book. <laughs> you have a book. So. John, I just once again I want to say, man, it was a it was a real honor to get to know you in here and have this conversation last night at dinner. I mean, I'm just so happy that we finally connected and uh, got to meet in person. 
I wish you the best of luck. And and um, once again, for anybody looking to get in touch with John, whether it's training, just want to get in touch with him, get the book, warriorpoetsociety.com. All your social media is under the same handle, I believe, and John Lovell. So. Yep. You'll find us. Thanks for having me on, man. I had a great time. Me too. Best of luck to you, brother. Thanks, man. You as well. Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.